0: Worship with a reading from Psalm 103. So let me read this to you. Feel free to close your eyes um, or to follow along on the screen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And so Father, we have our hands open and our heart open to receive your compassion, to receive your steadfast love and your kindness and your mercy for you are quick to love. And so God, let us not be closed off to your love this morning, let us not say no, let us not close the door, but let us open up even as a flower opens up to the bright sun, we open up to you that you would shine your light and your love on us that we would be nourished, that we would flourish, that we would grow. We press into your presence right now and don't take for granted that we can be here now at this moment. We drink deep breaths of your presence. Renew us. Resurrect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, we lift you up, we glorify you, we honor you. We sit for a minute in this idea that we are your children, that we are beloved, that we are chosen. We imagine you looking deeply into our eyes as you wash our feet. You are my child. You are chosen. You are my beloved, on whom my favor rests. And I must serve you and I must wash your feet so that you can leave behind your shame and your guilt and your brokenness and dysfunction and just receive. Give us the ability, Jesus, to just. Receive without our arguments of why we shouldn't, why our actions of why we can earn it. Let us just receive the beauty of being loved simply because we are your children. That's not a fact that we receive easily. So tell us again in these moments over and over. I love you. You're my child. My favor rests on you. Some of you really need to hear that this morning, that you are God's child. He loves you. And on you, his favor rests. Lord, in that knowledge, we will thrive and we will come to life. So bring us to life today. Bring us to life. We thank you for resurrection. Jesus name. Amen.
1: So, okay, so just for you to know, we're preaching through the book of Mark and we're not skipping anything. You need to know that particularly for today. So when you preach like this, you don't skip stuff. Things come up that typically pastors don't talk about because it's uncomfortable. And today's going to be an uncomfortable, um, uncomfortable day for you and for me, but at least I'm up here in front of all of you to do it, right? So last week, the, the topic was hell, and you all loved that message. It was like, you remember how much you loved it? Um, this week, the topic of the message is typically divorce which you might have heard of. So already in some of your hearts, you're like, oh, is, can I get out of here now? Um, but here's, here's the thing. So with the reading of the word and the understanding of the word, we have conversations and we have readings sometimes that aren't the kind of topics that make you walk away feeling like God has just given you a vision to conquer the earth for his kingdom. There are some conversations that are had that are jolting and purposed, but in the context of those conversations, you have to remember who it is that's having them with you and how he is for you and not against you. In that context, he can have very difficult things to say. An example is me and my kids, I take them to the store a lot, I like to do the shopping, and none of my kids seem to understand to not run away from the car quickly. I don't care how many times I've said it, and in the interaction always, especially when they're running into a street, my tone gets very serious because I do not want them to die, number one, and that that's a possibility. And number two, I've already told you like 500 times, like point to your brain, where's it at? Point to your brain, where's it at? And Nava's like, no, Nava, it's not in your arm, it's not in your arm. So my tone is, so it's so It's so passionate, and it's so involved, not because I'm so afraid of streets or, but it's because I so am in love with them. And I'm so passionate about being with them, and I wanna be with them. And like the thought of that happening to me is that painful, that my tone even flares up. It's not that they're terrible kids, it's not at all. It's actually the opposite, it's love. Somebody could see that happening in a parking lot and think, that guy's an idiot. Why is he screaming at a five-year-old? And it would be because I love her and them. And I wish my nine-year-old did. She does it too. I mean, they just go in the street. So today, as you read this, I don't want to pretend like the Bible's just supposed to be puppy dogs and lollipops, right? Like, we all get whatever we want. It's like Christian Oprah. Like, you all get whatever spirituality you want today. You get this calling, you get this car, you get this house. Everybody's happy, right? And like, Zero inner transformation is happening. So we don't want to be like the Pharisees, which we're going to read about, which are so concerned about the way things appear on the outside, but really don't get at the heart ever. And they end up being the dirtier out of all, even though they would appear to be cleaner. And so today we're going to, we're going to talk through this. Um, it's a tough passage. Go ahead and brace yourself for that, okay? Go ahead and brace yourself that this is not going to be God, if God is for me, who's against. it's not going to be one of those like 17 passages we've all memorized and put on t shirts and websites, right? Like, love your neighbor, love God, all these things are beautiful. This is one that's supposed to put you in a position where you have to think what's happening here? What's being said, right? And, and here's the flaw of most evangelistic churches. It's easy, again, like we said last week, if you weren't here, I would listen to that message, to label two or three things that we can make sure we don't do and call that Christianity. Instead of looking at what's lying underneath those things in the process of, of growing into the life of God, which is Christianity, right? And who, who, who among us is without sin, right? And for those of you already right now are like, well, divorce is evil. Like, if you want to talk specifically about the sin logistics of it, one of the passages in the Bible says, if you've even looked upon a woman and had a lustful thought, you have committed adultery. So. We want to put in the right perspective here. Just because you may say, that's never an option for me, and it shouldn't be for you, and you should be smarter than that. It's a little bit like somebody having a conversation with you and saying, I'm really struggling. I'm sorry you're struggling. I'll pray for you. I'm really, my, my wife and I are like, you don't understand. I have no tools on how to deal with this. Well, I'll be praying for you, and we're, we're in a really bad spot. I don't know what to do next. We're going to continue to pray for you. We're thinking of getting a divorce. What?! What did you say? Do you see how how maybe the what should have been placed at the beginning when it mattered most, instead of at the end where it's a little more pharisaical and a little less caring? So it's just like this with me in terms of abortion, which, of course, is not something that is desirable. But for people who are passionate about it, talk to me about how you've been praying into adoption and how you've been praying into providing an outlet for the people who don't see that there's another way. Talk to me about those things before you just draw a hard line. Does that make sense? With divorce, there's so much that happens before divorce, right? There's so many of us that are so empty and have no tools on how to deal with a real relationship because we just watched a cartoon about a prince and a princess, and of course, that's going to happen, right? And, and it's going to be butterflies, and we're, everybody's going to have good breath. It's going to be good. Right, and then the reality of like, oh, we're just, still, I'm still me. I'm still me in marriage. I'm still the selfish version of me. I'm still that guy. And she's still, she's still awesome. She's never had a flaw. So. I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to be really honest about us today.
0: Cool?
1: <laughs> I love you. All right, Mark 10, verses 1 through 12. This is your next passage, okay. So remember, this is coming right on the heels of the conversation about hell, and uh, it'd be better for someone to be thrown into <laughs> fire with worms. Worm wiggle worm? Whoa. <laughs> Just made the connection. So, again, the context of that was, again, not let's not define these five sins. It was talking about the love of Christ being shown and an unwillingness to do that. So following into this. And he left there and went to a region of Judea and beyond Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again, and he was, as custom, he taught them. That's what he did. He, people gathered around him, he taught them. The Pharisees came up in order to test him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses say? Typical Jesus conversation, he throws a question for, to somebody wanting a definitive. So somebody's looking for tell me the definitive, And he's like, "Will you talk to me about what you know. Just a lot of wisdom. Um, And Jesus said to them, or I'm sorry, they said Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, well, that's because of your hardness of heart that he wrote you this commandment. I'll explain more about that in a minute. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So hard passage, guys. The truth about this is how many of people in this room have been affected by divorce in some way, have been a part of it, have chosen it, have been the recipient of it, have been children to it. And so there's that to bring in the beginning. But I didn't want to land in that to start. There's a tone that happens when you do that. I want to I talk about, just really quickly, think of a marriage that you've seen in life that was a beautiful marriage, that reeked of selflessness that you wanted to be around and learn from. Think in your head. Think in your, and don't, don't fall for the negativism trap of saying, well, there's not many, and well, you know the statistics. The statistics are actually skewed. That's not even real. It's, we say, well, more than 50% have, and that's not even real. That's not even, that's not even accurate statistics. So before your mind gets trapped down that like negative trail, just, just think on a marriage. I'll, I'll, I'll call one out. I wasn't even going to do this, but Jen and Bill, if you know Jen and Bill, they are absolutely not perfect people, like farthest people in the room from perfect. Totally, actually probably excited that I said that. Um, they have a story about marriage, amen? I know you, It's not even, it doesn't even affect me anymore. So they, I was going to ask them to share it, but I'm not now, but ask them their story on, on marriage and the, the reality of what they walk through. and the reality of how unperfect it was and the realism that had to come from it and the reality of selflessness. I thought of you guys when I thought, think of a good marriage, right? It's not your typical, like, everybody's wearing good clothes. You guys wear good clothes. Everybody's saying the right stuff. You're doing all the right Bible studies and you, you have all the right friend groups. It's not that. But there's a love for one another and a selflessness. There's a lot of selflessness. And I just want to say I honor that in you guys. And, and for you guys, who can you think of? I think... One of the traps in this passage is to lock right into divorce is bad, right? That's one of the traps in this passage and completely miss the underlying heart in it, which is marriage is beautiful. And it's actually probably the most incredible and accurate picture of the kind of love Jesus has for us. That's the underlying emphasis here that can be trapped by who do I know that's had a divorce? Have I had a divorce? Am I in the process of thinking about that? Am I asking questions about what am I allowed to do? It can get trapped in that instead of being trapped in the love of Christ, which is this is how he pursues the church, how he's trying to get us. And so such an opposite version of the way Christ would pursue us would be the way that we would be divided. Such So get your minds away from all of the sermons that you've heard that build a bad picture of church and pastors just driving another hard line without caring get your mind away from that and back up and think about how Christ has pursued you. Think just for a moment personally for you how Jesus has entered your world in some way before it even made sense or you deserved it and how you got to drink in the love of God that did not make sense. Think of a Jesus pursuing you that way. This is what's at stake here. This is why he came, to pursue you before it was deserved. This is how he talks. I've done so many marriages So many, from clueless people to people who kind of had a clue, nobody was a scholar on marriage before they get married. And this is what it's about. It's a picture of how Jesus loves us, which means this is what the love of Christ looks like, that he comes and he overpowers everyone and makes them go to church. No. He comes and overpowers everyone with complete sacrifice. He comes and overpowers an overpowering world with a period of weakness. He comes and says, you don't even understand this because you're not in a place to, but I'm going to die for you. And eventually you'll get it, but you don't now. And he doesn't ever think, does he deserve it? Because nobody deserved it. He just does it. He just does it. This is the love of Christ. The agape love of Christ is to love someone without anything coming in return. This is what's at stake with this whole book, not just this path. This is what's at stake with everything, your friendships, your job, your walk with Christ, your calling, and your marriage, that, this, that we would be this to the world. He has to be that for us. So in your mind, think about And maybe you're not there yet where you can put your finger on, this is the point where Jesus pursued me so passionately that I was like, I'm swept away. Like, guys remember that song, Sweep Me Away? Nobody? It was a good one. I don't know who sings that, but that is a good song. Sweep me away. I kind of got it, guys. I got a little bit of it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all just don't even know that. I remember for me when I was swept away a little bit and pursued. I was drug addicted, legitimately drug addicted, and had an experience with Jesus where I felt like, oh, my goodness, this is actually probably real. I'm being pursued and not like like being pursued like I had been pursued before where I was going to be locked up. That's a different kind of pursuit. (laughs) Nobody falls in love with that, right? Like, I've been to jail. On my way, being pursued was not an experience I want to duplicate. That's not what I want to build my life around. It's interesting how in Christianity, a lot of us have built our life around that type of pursuit. He's coming after you. He's not coming after you like that. He's not because he's smart. And he knows that that won't work. And he loves you more than that. So if he locks you in a, a prison of rules that you, can, you just can't break. Oh, I don't want to break them. I just actually do want to break those. Those are the ones I want to break. Tell me, I tell me I can't do it. I'm like, I'm about to do that. I'm going to do that. So he comes after us when we don't even understand it. We're not in any, any prison. He comes after us. He pursues us. He goes after us. He does what he did to the prodigal son. And we somehow taste and see that he is good. And at some point in us, we are like, Okay. I will, I'll do this. I'll do this. That's the pursuit of Jesus that you have to have in your mind when you're reading these passages. If you're just looking to see if you're good or bad or right or wrong or in or out, this is not going to be effective in your life. But if you're looking to see a, a father who is pursuing you so strongly that there's parts of your story that you will never be able to put together. There's absolutely things that came into place to get you to this spot where Voila, you understood. A grandmother prayed. A friend did something. You drove by somebody, he said something. You got in a car with somebody, you did something. I happened to go to a night of healing prayer at a church that I didn't really want to go to because I was in ministry and I didn't like ministry at the time. I bumped into Riverstone. Now I'm pastoring a church through that movement. That's it. That's how it Like, can you all pray for me? And then being blown away by quiet people praying and not super loud people praying and being blown away by people that when I felt like they were praying for me, they really cared instead of, stand up, raise your hands, do something. Do you want the Lord? And then like pushing me away. And I'm like,
2: I don't want that, Lord.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would love the real Lord, though, whatever that is. I found it. I did that. I bumped into people. I'm here pastoring a church in Smyrna through that network, all of that. You have no idea all the things God did for you. You probably never will. Even in heaven, it'll probably be too much to see all of the different things he put together for you to taste and see that he is good. It's legitimately true, and it's happening for you right now. If you're still just waiting on a jail sentence, you're looking for the wrong Jesus, because none of us deserve it. All of us have committed adultery in our hearts. We all just need to put that out on the table, every one of us, females too. Well, that passage says if a man looks upon a woman, well, I'm just going to tell you, okay? It's all of us. So all of us need to be looking for a Savior that's coming, crying, loving, weeping that we would understand the truth of the gospel, which is he came to give us everything. We receive it as a gift. We carry it with us, and then we give that. And it happens to spill out into marriage. And so what's at stake here isn't, it's not to be like the Pharisees. So the whole convo to start, conversation to start, I don't know why I just said, I write half words. Sometimes they get me in trouble. This conversation starts, so this conversation starts as a trap. Can you pull up Mark 3? Remember back at the beginning of this book? The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy Jesus. This interaction starts as a trap. It starts as a trap to k- kill him. And the topic used is divorce because they knew it would be a divisive one. Just for you to know, though, divorce was rampant in this society. The saddest part about divorce in this society, only a male could do any of it. No female had any voice in this. There's actually written laws by a guy named Hillel that would say if a woman were to cook food incorrectly, she could be divorced on site. If a woman were to disrespect or speak to disrespect her husband or speak loud enough where people in the street could hear her voice coming from the house. The male could divorce her. This was the context this is happening in. So at first appearance, it looks like the topic is just don't divorce. What he's saying is, I see you women. And our Jesus will always stand for those who are being persecuted. So in this particular setting, the Pharisees are trying to figure out how to hurt him. And they know that there might be a way to do it through this conversation. Who are the Pharisees? Clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. Rule makers, rule setters. Jesus is never happy with them. Jesus never has a conversation with the Pharisees, like, oh, you guys get it so good. You guys are so getting this. You guys want to walk with me and like spread what you have? Never the conversation. They have decided that their content trumps the content of Jesus and that he needs to be listening to them. And at no moment does Jesus ever say, Everybody listen to them. This is the Pharisees, clean on the outside. Dirty on the inside where it matters. So this is who Jesus is having his conversation with. Self-seekers. Divorce for them was very different. For us, it's something we diffuse in court. For them, as soon as this would happen, as soon as a divorce would happen, a woman lost everything. Kids lost everything. It didn't matter. They were displaced in society. They, it was like a scarlet letter on their forehead. As soon as it happened for them, life was over. So this law, he says... They ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? You can bring up Deuteronomy 24.1, and this is what he references in this. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she has no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out in his house, and she departs out of the house. I just botched that up, but you get it. You read it. So he is saying, because of your hardness of heart, I've made some acceptances. Here's what he's not saying. Divorce is the way. Divorce is, that just makes sense. Before you over-theologize this, of course. Like, he doesn't want that for any of our relationships, correct? Like, that's, that's given, right? He doesn't want, like, nobody stands before the altar of, of Christ and is married and is like, can you, can you believe just in a couple years we're going to be divorced? I cannot wait for that. See, nobody wants that because nobody wants that in any relationship. Nobody wants that happening in any relationship. The issue isn't that, though. The issue is, are people going into this understanding? Are we receiving what he's giving us beforehand? So Jesus is telling them, in this setting specifically, men are abusing women, and it's not okay. So this law was put in place because you wouldn't do it the right way, and there need to be allowances for them to get out. There needed to be an allowance for them to get out. And you're still doing it the wrong way. His heart for marriage will always be male female and oneness this is the passage we just read from the beginning that he is the Lord of and that he I hate saying this it's so loaded he hates divorce he never hated you he still doesn't hate you he never did it's okay to even grasp for those of us who aren't divorced it's easy to talk about this right because I have so much wisdom on divorce. All I have is that it's a part of my childhood. And I don't even have the context to understand it correctly as a 10-year-old. I know that there is fallout. That's a reality, right? So so marriage is permanent. It's permanent. It's permanent in in that if you have a divorce, are you still walking through some of the pain of it? It's permanent, right? Like any brokenness is going to be permanent. Now, it can be a scar and it can be healed, but what he's saying here is this is something he is doing. He's bringing... He hates divorce. He hates people being broken. Yeah. He hates broken. He hates cruelty. I've, I've learned more at, at, after pastoring here about how much he truly cares about people who are being oppressed and being treated poorly, right? And how much male males dominate everything. Like, I just... For you to know in our church, we we value that women have a voice and can be in ministry. I think it's silly to say that that's not true. I don't want to be guilty of these same sins. And the sin runs deeper than just, do I believe that divorce? I, I believe divorce is not from God. I believe it's 100%. It's easy. Is it that simple? There's so much more involved. So his heart is for oneness that he is the Lord of. This is the passage we just read. What is oneness? This idea of bringing two people together. It would be impossible to do that if you weren't selfless. That's what I, I wish I could like bottle and pour over people when I was doing a wedding is there's no clue about that. Like when you're dating, all of us do this. We put together like this most pristine version of ourself that like it's impossible for that to last. So that typically comes out in marriage where it's too much work, and then you're like, it's about to get real, isn't it? This is, And she's like, this is it, isn't it? This is you. That's you. That's you. This happened to us for real. Our first year of marriage, It's. I'm not going to Christian pastor it. I'm not going to make it sound awesome. I was about as selfish as I could be. I still fight it all the time. I liked things my own way. I'm not trying to be funny. It's... It's that, that's how easy or hard marriage is right there. Am I willing to be selfless? And I'll just be honest, I definitely wasn't in the beginning. She was very disappointed in me in the beginning. She didn't overtly tell me that, but you know you can tell. Just by the way that she says, I hate you, (laughs) or I wish I was married to someone else, like small things. Like those things were, see I was smart, so I knew it was happening. Realistically, though, we both came into marriage with no idea about selflessness. It's just a cool Christian word that we know is important, but nobody does. Because we're here in America where we dominate everything and we're always the winner. Because that's right, that's America, right? America. That's, that's what it's about, right? We're the winners, right? Yeah, we win. We went to a soccer game yesterday. Half the people in our group was like, was it a tie? That's stupid. Like, really, we tied? It's deeper than that. It's metaphoric, guys. So for us, we go into marriage, and we've watched all the Disney movies. And we're in love with whoever we're in love with. And even in Christian America, there's these images and pictures of people. There's pastors from stage portraying this portrait of themselves, not because they're trying to be in sin, but just... I've got to be more perfect than I am because I'm a pastor. So we see these perfect marriages like ours, which is there's nothing wrong with ours. I don't want to ever be that because there's no way to live that. So when you go into marriage, really it, it, it boils down to the same thing Jesus did when he came on the cross. That's, that's, that's it. It doesn't play out like that. It plays out like, you're really going to wear that? What do you mean you're really going to wear that? I don't know. What did I mean? Are you gonna sleep till 9.30 today? Maybe, no, i not, that's no. Are you gonna watch another game for real? This is like yesterday, I'm serious. It plays out in these small ways that show, but I just have to brag on my wife and I, we're definitely not perfect guys, like I don't know how much I can share and people still stay at our church. <laughs> balance that. <laughs> but this year, is the first year, I'm going to do too much. I'm doing it. Uh, we both, so we, I've, I've been going to counseling for a while. The last time I told people I go to counseling, they were like, you probably shouldn't share that from the stage. I, I would challenge any of you to, to make me believe theologically why it would not be important for you to be in counseling. Like, I would then point directly to this American version of you that thinks you're supposed to be better than any problem in life, and how it's going to fail anyway, so you might as well just get there now instead of later. <laughs> And I'll also give credit to our counselor who helped dig into some deep ministry-related things and also maritally-related things and some struggles from my past. So much sexual addiction in my past. If there's still kids in here, I'm sorry. It's the reality. You already know it because it's, it's, it's worse than it even was when I was your age. But all of that was very real from a young age. No bragging about this, but sexually things happening in my life that I was definitely deciding, but we're like, whoa, calm down. How do I even know? That's all. of Everybody in here has something. I carry that into marriage. So this past year, we we started to have really tough conversations with our counselor and some tools given to us. Because who, who knows? We're pastors, but pastors never look at a church and say, in about a year and a half, I'm going to have an affair. So just brace yourselves for that. It's coming. Nobody does that. It's like bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. I'll avoid this, avoid this, avoid this, avoid this. I don't need intimacy. Uh, this will help. This thing online will help. And... All of a sudden, it happens, right? Like that's how it happens. Nobody's like, I'm planning this out. So we the best tool I've ever had in our marriage, it sounds so dumb, was instead of trying to look forward to date nights, which if you have kids are not real. It's like, it's like Machiavelli, like Tupac. Like, where is he? Right? Like, he's not here. See what I'm saying? So we started doing this thing, we wake up five minutes a day five minutes a day we sit down we typically do it a lot we've missed a couple this week I'm blaming you because you were not selfless enough this week but our marriage has transformed we're still not perfect I'm still a huge idiot and not even in a cool it's funny way how's your day today what do you got going on what's for dinner what part do I need to do in that do I have to do something in that What are you feeling right now? We do this on a daily basis, and it's really like changed everything. I mean, we're still not perfect. There's still the temptation that everybody has to face, that you have to guard against. But these small, aggressive moves towards a better wholeness are way better than, well, she decided not to do this again, and look at that. Evidently, she doesn't know that I hate it when people tell me that I'm an idiot. So that's another one for her. And why would she not recognize? After I preach, why will she not say, here's what you did good? Like, I want you to tell me all the stuff I did good. Don't tell me the bad stuff. So she didn't do that. And then it's, it's be aggressive on what you're trying to build. Instead of being the spouse that finds the fault, right? Like anybody has faults. That's not the issue. It's like being a Christian and being like, what can I do? What sins am I allowed to do? Tell me those. It's this whole other perspective. What does God desire? What does God desire? And so we became aggressive. And we still need you to pray for us, just like you need us to pray for you. And and this is not just for people married, but I want to share a couple things. So, to singles. The gospel or this book that we're reading talks about at the end, the really hard part. He takes the disciples away and he says, "This is adultery and this is adultery. This is how it happens." He's talking to a group of people. In Matthew, if you read the same context, you read that they freak out and are like, then who the heck wants to get married? But you have to remember the context they're bringing into this. Just a chapter ago, they're having an argument while walking with Jesus. Who is the greatest among us? Their argument with each other is, out of all of us, and they would openly ask Jesus, Jesus, can you just tell us, like, and they will here in a little bit again, who's going to be sitting closest to you, right? Who's the greatest among us? No concept or understanding of what he's trying to do. It's in that setting that he is saying, this is how hard this is. And if you're entering any relationship in that who's the greatest mindset, it is impossible. It would be better that you never marry than go in thinking your marriage is about to be about you. It would be better that you never even consider it if you're still having a conversation about who's the greatest. Whose gift will shine the brightest? What is God going to help me to conquer on this earth? What business am I going to own? Who's going to give me stuff? If that is the context of how you enter any of these relationships, it would just be better that you didn't marry. Does that make sense? And that is the best truth you will ever receive because in marriage, it will rip that out of you quickly because there is now another human with you that has the same set of junk that you have That needs your attention like Jesus gave it to the world through the cross. That person is going to demand that from you just by being alive. And if you're unwilling to do it without a person, I'm just telling you, singles, marry better. Marry slower. Make good decisions. Don't get married out of fear. You feel like your life is ending in like three years, and if you don't get married right now, like, oh, my gosh. Like, what are we going to do? I don't have anybody to marry. It's coming. If you're thinking like that, you're getting married. You're getting married. It's not, it's not, that's not your issue. Marry the right person. That's your issue. If you're like, but I just, I've been waiting for this guy, and he's so oh, he's going to be beautiful. And this is a guy talking. If this is you, do not act quickly. Do not act quickly. Be at peace with the season that you're in. Be at peace with waiting on the Lord. If you can't wait on the Lord at the beginning... That's a big, significant thing to look at. And I don't say that about anything in life. If you're not willing to wait on the Lord, you're just telling the Lord, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing it. Yeah. You don't want that set of your own problems. It's got its own problems. You want that set of problems, though. You want that I'm waiting. I'm not afraid that I'm going to be alone. There's not some kind of weird thing about me that needs to be alone. I'm not like Carmen, like I've made a commitment <laughs> to never marry. That's not you. Singles, single. Slow down. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be married right now. It's not the end of your problems. It's the beginning of a life with another person, right? And it doesn't look like Aladdin. It's, it's better than that. It really is better than that, but different. To marrieds. Just going to say this because Tom Tanner preached a similar message when we were there, and he just said it, and it was beautiful. If you're having an affair, stop now. If you are having an affair, it is not from God and he will not bless it and there are things connected stop now. It's the only answer stop now. The problems that are coming will only grow stop now. Stop now. It's not the answer. I know that we sometimes are like, well this just makes sense and this is the way it is and this is the, and God's a, he's okay with it because he knows my needs stop now. Stop now. Everybody say stop. stop. Now. now. Okay. If you're having not a sexual affair, but you're flirting a lot, and you're just looking for opportunities, stop now. Stop. It's not helping. It won't help. Your your problems that you have right now are about to balloon and get way bigger and hairier and unfriendlier than they are right now. Stop now. If you're looking at things online that you shouldn't be looking at, you can get help. That's the beginning to some of these things. It's okay. I just do that. It's no big deal. We'll just pretend like there's only like two people in here who struggle with that. Let's just pretend, right? I'm not casting any stones at you. I have to guard my heart all the time about this, all the time. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, especially in ministry. Like your whole life is hidden. But but you guys, if you're looking at stuff... Jesus is not trying to tell you, again, you're on your way to hell. He's trying to tell you, you're really broken. And I'm trying to provide intimacy for you in different ways. And I can't do that if you don't get aggressive. It's not stop and then come back to Jesus. It's come to Jesus now. Jesus, I'm evidently broken because this is a struggle and I need help. It, if left unchecked, it's growing. It's like a gremlin, guys. Like overnight, it's going to attack the city. And that's the trick of the enemy that Sarah has always been good to talk with me about. He's going to wait until it's an opportune time to reveal the hidden sin in you for it to have the most damage for you. So Jesus' voice comes in and says, I really want to help. I know that you're broken. I know that this is hurting you. I want to look at the brokenness. Let's get aggressive. Let's make action steps. And it's from the 12-year-old in here to the 70-year-old in here. There's not like when you turn 40, it's like there's no more struggles. It's all of us. We have to be aggressive. If you're having an affair, you got to stop. It's just not. If you're emotionally involved in somebody and you're married, stop. If you're looking at stuff, get help. We want to help you. I'll help you. I'm familiar with the struggle and can help you walk through it and need assistance all the way in my life. I'll need assistance all the way until I'm dead. All the way until I'm dead. To people who are married, again, stop talking bad about your spouse. Stop it. It's not helping. Build them up, even if you, the only thing you can find is one little thing. Build them up. Repent for that. I hate the word repent. I love the idea of turning to God. Repent for it. It's not good. It, it actually makes you look like an idiot when you talk bad about your spouse, because you guys are one, and God brought that together. So you're, it's like saying, I'm an idiot, I'm ugly, I don't do the dishes. And that's like exactly what it's like. Stop talking about your spouse. For those of you who are married and are strongly considering divorce... Meet with a counselor. But understand that his goal is not divorce. His goal is working on behalf of the other to the point of gaining nothing back. So if your eyes haven't gone there first, definitely don't go to the end first. To those of you who are in a marriage that is really hard right now, forgive the church global for being terrible on how to work through that. We just know how to draw a hard line. Don't don't divorce and you're good. I don't care if you're miserable. Just don't divorce. That's stupid. How dumb is that? That is dumb. Don't be that for others either. Don't be the guy that says, "Oh, I'm sorry you're struggling. I'm sorry for this." You want to divorce what? That's dumb. For those of you who have been divorced, Jesus is making all things new. Jesus is making all things new. There's restoration. There's shame involved. Jesus wants to cleanse the shame. He wants to bring There's going to be scars. And eventually those scars can actually be beautiful stories to help people. If you right now in this room are feeling an overwhelming sense of shame, bring that to the feet of Jesus. He only convicts. Shame is from our enemy. Shame is not from Jesus. Conviction leads us to repentance and it's kindness. That's the Jesus that sits before you and says, I already knew you were struggling with this, and I'm not trying to cast stones like all these people would if they knew. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you and in your marriage he wants to restore whatever married marriage you're in now he wants restoration he wants to build he wants you to love the spouse and if you need the tools seek them out I know this couple right here would probably meet with any of you. They do marriage counseling. I know Bill is a licensed professional counselor. He can help you here. He'll meet with you. I would sit down with anybody. I would help funnel you into something, anything. If you're at the spot where you're like, it is hitting the fan, meet with Christian people who love Jesus unselfishly and let us work through it together. Does that make sense? We have a marriage thingy. We're gonna call it a thingy coming in January. All at the church, it's gonna be great. We can look forward to that. If January is not soon enough, Don't go home and just push it over here, right? Get aggressive. Do a five-minute morning thing. Do something. Calm down, guys, about the five-minute morning thing. Seriously, guys. He makes all things new. In every area, not only marriage, the kingdom is breaking into the world. This is the gospel. The gospel is not, I can't wait to get to the world and divorce it. The gospel is I'm infusing Jesus into this world. He's coming as Messiah. He will come and serve, and power will push him away, but he will serve unto the point of death. This is the gospel in every area. It's the gospel at work. It's the gospel in friendships. It's the gospel in marriage. This is the work that we must do. I must be loved by Christ to love like that. It's impossible to love like that. He gives us a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to love like that. It's impossible to receive the forgiveness you need in the process of walking through the cleansing from what divorce has done in your life. It's impossible to do it for your husband or wife. It's impossible singles to wait on Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. It is impossible. So today, if we can have the worship come up, your job is to present to him where you are at. And to not lie about it, and to f- Romans 12, we talked about last week, that you would be a living sacrifice. To be totally consumed by God looks like handing every part of you over to him. He's not here to convince you of how terribly you are of a sinner. He's here to convince you what you never knew that you were actually a child of God. You're an heir to his kingdom. You're the things of heaven are yours, Ephesians 2. Every spiritual blessing's in the heavenly realm. Relationally, you have everything that you need. He's building his church around these things. The fruits of the Spirit are what flow through a marriage and make them good. But they got you have to sit with it. You have to work on it. And so if you wouldn't mind um, standing with me. Prayer teams. If we could provide a few, just as many prayer teams as we, can, as we have. I think we talked to Linda about it. One, two, three at least. So when I read this passage, my, my take is that he is so in love with marriage because two people have to be completely selfless for it to work. And through that oneness, even children come. Like the procre- that's, he's so in love with the idea that people would love so selflessly that that could work I want that, I know that you want that so father in whatever way you want to bring restoration which is what you do you don't say a message like this to draw people into a jail cell that they cannot leave you say a message like this to tap into things that need to be healed and you are the one who can heal them that's beautiful that's a father I want to follow. That's a Jesus I love. I have too many sins. I have sinned too big. I have been such a terrible husband, legitimately not a good father. I only know that I need you daily. I only know that as I wake up, you're the manna that I need to eat. And as I go to bed, I thank you for the gifts that day. And then tomorrow, I'm going to wake up again. I'm not going to be weary in this world. I'm not going to walk around with my head down because it's so hard. And look how bad it is. And, and it the, the end is coming. I'm not going to be that, but I am going gonna, gonna to do my best to love so selflessly people see you and me, Jesus. I'm going to do my best to not make things about me. I'm going to do my best to let this, this idea of American Christianity and attacking everything and having a huge calling that everyone can see. I'm going to do my best to give that back to you so that I can be cleansed and I can love agape style like you loved the world. The world didn't agree with you, but you did it anyway. I want to be a church like that, that is so selfless that we love where it's needed, not just when it would would appear bad to us if we didn't step in. Forgive the pharisaical ideas that we have that when things like these specific three things come up, we need to make sure we drive a hard line because we don't want to be seen. That's all fear, and I don't want anything to do with it. And open up our hearts to love people in the process and be with them when it is hard, not just at the end of the hard. In fact, I'm going to pray for you guys right now. In this room, for those of you who are familiar, there are people that God are going to put, is going to put on your heart to love selflessly, to pour into. And if at any moment during this prayer, you just want to go and love on them well, I pray that you would just speak to people right now, Jesus. And for those of you who want restoration, I really truly believe right now he wants to provide supernatural restoration for you that only Jesus can provide, so that your marriage can be what he intended it, which is this good thing. It's just so good. In its best, it's so good. So we do pray for restoration. You guys, as this song is being sung and as you're worshiping, if you need prayer for anything, specifically these things, please come up front. And those of you who have somebody to pray for, you can go pray with them. Just give some space for a few moments.
2: Lord, we, Lord, we thank you for um, constantly drawing us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the kindness with which you approach us to draw us near. Lord, help us to see behind the rules we read on a page, the messages we've heard about do this, don't do that. Help us to have the eyes to see your heart in all of that. Calling us to the life you have for us. Lord, go with us today, go with us this week, continue to give us glimpses of you in the ordinary. Lord, we love you. Amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.